All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's it going out there? Are you holding up? Everything okay? Hope you're doing all right. I worry. I worry about you. I worry about us. I worry about me. I'm a worrier. It's just the way I'm wired. I wish I wasn't, but uh, sometimes it's warranted, isn't it? I just got back from Denver. I did four shows at the Comedy Works. I'm recording this on uh, Sunday afternoon. I fly out early in the morning so I could come do this. It never stops. I do not have much free time. The Comedy Works is a great venue. It's one of the great comedy clubs. It seats about, I don't know, maybe 250 or something, and it's in a basement. It's got low ceilings. It's it's very snug. It's slightly tiered. The audience is right on top of you. Some of them are, are, are literally on stage. They're sitting on stage, and I'm working on new shit, and as you know, I've been... I've been out there hammering it out at the anvil of the club. I'm in it. I'm 100% in it. It is my job. It was always my job. That's the amazing thing about, about doing comedy for as long as I've been doing it, is that you work hard at something, and then you realize, this is my job. This is what I do, and I'm good at it. And uh, I, I keep pushing it. I keep taking risks at my job. I've built a craft over a long period of time. I'm very proud of it. I, I just had this conversation. I, I'm sorry. Did I mention who's on the show today? Joan Jett is on the show today. Joan Jett with a, with a special appearance uh, by her manager, uh, Danny Laguna. Who, uh, who they are inseparable, apparently, and, and uh, he wanted to be around, so I put him on the mic. He's a very interesting cat in his own right, and they seem to have a symbiotic thing going. Been together for years, so it's, uh, it's Joan Jett with, let's do it that way, Joan Jett with Danny Laguna today on the show. Joan Jett, uh, I believe, just turned 60 the other day. I recorded this before she turned 60, so I, if, if, if you're on top of that and you realize, why didn't I wish her a happy birthday? It was because I didn't know then. But uh, but she just turned 60. I'm turning 55 on Thursday. And uh, it's not so much that I'm, I'm feeling my age, but I do start to think about, uh, you know, what I do and, and who I am in the world and, and, you know, what we all do. It's just a weird thing when you get, I guess I'm middle-aged. But getting back to the idea of doing the job, especially as a creative person, as somebody who has sort of hammered out their own way through a creative endeavor, through uh, an expression uh, endeavor, through, a, through like something that is not a normal uh, way of life. I flew back on the plane from Denver with Whitney Cummings, who was working at the other club. And, uh, you know, we just got into this conversation and, it, and I just started to realize, like, there's a lot of people out there that call themselves comics because they've done 10 minutes here or a couple of sets there. Or they worked on a, an open mic somewhere or they, they did a room. And the, the, the thing about being a comic, about truly being a comic, not unlike any job, is that you got to do the job. And the job, to a certain degree, you know, is like getting laughs. Fine. You know, that you should do that when you're a comic. But the, the bigger job is, can you show up and do an hour, hour and a half, and do it consistently, and, and stay up there, and, and over the years, generate new material? Can you apply your craft? Can you evolve your craft? Can you show up anywhere and do an hour and get paid for it? 
and do it consistently. I mean, that is the job. And, and I've been doing the job, you know, for most of my life at this point, being a paid comic and showing up, whether it's strangers, whether they're familiar, whether it's a, an event that seems awkward for comedy or a venue that seems awkward for comedy. I've been doing it for a long time. And over time, you, you know, it's not it's, it's not something to be taken for granted. And I think this is something that that everyone goes through who's been working at what they do for a long time to sort of take a minute and, and acknowledge that you know what you're doing and that you're good at it and that you're engaged with it and that you like it and that you're proud of it. And I, I don't know that I do that enough, and I don't know why I'm, I'm doing it publicly, because I have my own insecurities. I have my own you know, weird approach to, you, you know, uh, uh, humility, I guess. Uh, I, I just uh, I don't always give myself any credit. I, I, wo- I work hard. <laughs> and I don't, know, I don't know why I'm telling you that. I, I talk to you twice a week. I talk to people in this garage, you know, as often as possible. And then I do the acting thing, you know, which I'm fine to admit that I'm I'm relatively new to. But there was just something about this moment where, you know, it's just me and Whitney on a plane talking about our shows, talking about what's going on and realizing that we go out there and we do this job. And I think it becomes you know, very apparent when you when you do four shows at a club, you know, I'm working out new stuff. I'm hammering out new stuff because I want my hour to be tight. I don't have uh my hour plus, really. I don't have a special on the books, but I'm going to be at the Beacon Theater in New York on November 10th. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour to get tickets for that. And it's just, it's one of those things. I guess I'm just telling you, I'm acknowledging that, you know, when you do something for most of your life and you, you see that you evolve with it, that you get better at it, that you have more control over it, you know, you can take different risks, you can challenge yourself within what you do. And uh, you have the freedom to do that. It's a it's a it's a mind blowing thing. It's a great thing, and and I see it in my peers. Like I just I just finished reading my friend Sam Lipsight's new book. It's going to be out in January, and he sent me a galley copy. And you know, and Sam's had several novels out, several collections of short stories. But man, I read this fucking book, and it was. And granted, we're we're very good friends, but. It's a perfect evolution of his creativity and expression. It's gotten better. It's gotten deeper. It's gotten more wise. It's his wordsmithing is is phenomenal. It's fucking hilarious. And it ends. It just lands. He lands this novel like a like it just like it, it, it was like landing a spaceship for the first time. Just 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 nails it. And he's been doing it for 20 years. And you, you just to see somebody you, you know, get better and, and get amazing uh, through what they do, through commitment and through hard work is, is a beautiful thing. The book is called Hark. And if you don't know Sam Lipside stuff, he's one of the funniest fucking writers uh, alive, really. And he's he's a real deal kind of like, you know, takes real chances on the page and is deeply funny. And uh, I can't I'm going to have him in here. I, I have not had my friend Sam Lipside on for a full episode he was on near the beginning of the show and i think we might have done one other one i can't even remember but uh for this book we're going to do a full one but you can pre-order hark and and i would do it even though you're going to wait a few months but look i don't sell you garbage people anyways proud of my friend proud of myself proud of anybody who sticks with something long enough to become great at it even if you don't get the attention that you think you deserve even if you're not a superstar, even if, you know, you're not, 
you know, recognized as much as you want. If you know in your heart you're doing it the best you can and uh, and you're taking chances and you're evolving and doing new things and finding freedom within your expression or within your occupation or, or you're finding movement or success and helping people, whatever it is, for fuck's sake, don't take anything away from yourself just because you don't think enough people notice what you do. And if you're getting paid for it and you're doing a good job with it, uh, you're fucking living the life. You're, you, you know, you should fucking, you know, be proud of yourself. And if you're not doing it and you're holding yourself back from doing it, just do it really. What do you have to lose ultimately after a certain point? Do you know what I'm saying? Huh? Do you? Also, speaking about lifers, about comedians, I talked to a, uh, Rita Rudner in here uh, last week. She's a great comic. She's been around a long time, always generating new material. I haven't seen her in a while, but she's got this new special out. You'll hear my interview with her in a few weeks, but you know we have a schedule. Uh, but I wanted to mention that her new comedy special, Rita Rudner, A Tale of Two Dresses, is now available from Comedy Dynamics on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, and most on-demand platforms. So check that out. And you'll hear me and Rita in a few weeks. Great comic. And we had a great conversation, but I just wanted to give you a heads up for that. I did want to, to try to, to read this letter because, you know, I don't know. You know my parents are, are getting older, but they're both still with us. And throughout the years, you've heard me, you know, resolve things or have problems with or, or you know, you know, not quite be able to get over resentments with my folks, with my dad, some with my mom, whatever. But they're still around. And as I get older, I'm very grateful they're still around. You know, it's nice to have them and to be able to talk to them. I think I can appreciate them more than I have uh, previous in the past. That's another thing that's evolving. If you let it, if you have the the, the heart to do it. But I got this, uh, I got this email and... Um, these kind of emails kind of get me. You know, they kind of, they move me. Uh, the, it, the subject line is, a letter from a fan involving a cross-country trip with his son and your show. How am I not going to, how am I not going to pop that one open? I'm already half crying. Hi, Mark. So I just got back home to Washington, D.C. after a month-long cross-country trip with my 19-year-old son, Connor. I helped move him to Los Angeles so he can pursue his many dreams. He's our only, so this one was special on many levels. But one of the coolest things for me was turning him on to your WTF shows as we burned rubber across this great, if highly imperfect, land of ours. We ate amazingly diverse, great food, observed how cool the vast majority of our fellow citizens are, and listened to your guests like we were sitting in your garage." You know how it is on long drives. You exhaust conversation quickly as mile after mile of the same looking shit blurs by. It becomes hypnotically boring, mentally deadening, no matter how great your Spotify playlist may be. But that's where your shows save the day. Our mutual enjoyment of your opening monologues and your thoroughly unique interview style had us sitting forward in our seats. We'd gobble up shows and then talk about them for a couple hours. It was fan-fucking-tastic, my friend. It was like you were in the car with us, in the back seat, chatting with a guest. It bonded my son and me in a way that I can't express in words. And for that, I'll forever be grateful to you. 
Later, I heard him talk about you and your shows with his friends, and I thought to myself, well, there's at least one useful takeaway he got from his flawed old man, and I'm totally good with that and proud of it. So thank you, Mark. Thank you for helping a father and son talk about real things like comedy, integrity, honesty, art, books, music, politics, and love. Thank you for giving us hope in a seemingly hopeless time and culture. Our time with you meant something. It counted, and we'll never forget it. Your fan and pal for life, John. Wow, John. I, you know, for most of my life, I was, you know, fairly kind of cornered and pigeonholed by myself and others as a somewhat selfish fuck, uh, you know, and somewhat... uh, self-obsessed person or or cynical or whatever but uh again and this goes along with what i was talking about earlier as time goes on and things get weirder and things get darker as i get older and as as the country struggles on i i have to take some comfort in that you know knowing that one of the effects of this show which i could never have assumed would be something like that that letter and it happens all the time, and I and I'm and I'm happy that I, I've been there for people, even though I I don't I don't, you know I'm just doing what I do, but I I I'm very grateful that it's had the effect it has. I, I'm sorry if I'm a little mushy, but maybe it's just my age, maybe it's just a, it just <laughs> happens sometimes, and maybe I I dumped all my funny over the weekend. Um, Joan Jett. An archetype, an original. She's she's fucking Joan Jett. There's a new documentary about her life and career coming out. It's called Bad Reputation. It comes out this Friday, September 28th. And uh, as I said before, Joan's longtime producer and collaborator, Kenny Laguna, was with her for this interview. So you're going to hear from him too. And there was a lot going on in here that day, a lot of stuff. The two of them, there was a, there's, there, there's a little whirlwind. And I hope you can feel that. As you listen to me talk to Joan Jett uh, featuring uh, Kenny Laguna. You know, I, I got a sense of you guys from the movie. Like, uh, it feels like uh, an ongoing uh, comedy routine. It's terrific. Yeah. yeah. But this Everybody is what happens, says right? like an old married couple. <laughs> yeah. But you're not and married. That's true. No, we're not married. It's like an old married couple. His, his wife is is uh, your daughter. Run the company, right? Blackheart Records still. Yes. Yeah. And you started that company, and yes. your wife's still around. Yes, and she started the company with us. And, All right. And she, um, she and I met in high school. Yeah. So, wow. Long time. Yeah, especially for this business. Yeah. You, you just had your anniversary too. What How was long? Forty-eight. Forty-eight years. Crazy. It, who makes it forty years? It was a years? teenage wedding. Yeah. I want, how much noise is Kenny going to make with bags and stuff? No, no. Are we recording now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was looking for. I know. My I was pre-roll. waiting for. I was waiting what, for what it you, to stop too. What do, you, what do you got? What do you need? My pre-roll. <laughs> Why don't you get up and walk away? What's a pre-roll? Is that a, is that drug talk? <laughs> it's we're not druggies, by the way. Oh. The, the only thing we do is cannabis. I yeah, mean, that's what know, I mean. Yeah, but yeah, is that what a pre-roll is? Yeah, pre-roll. All right. Never mind. Like already rolled? Yeah. Yeah. So wait, how long have you lived in New York? Since 79? Yes, I moved there in 1979. Now, when you come back here, does it trigger memories and shit? Definitely. Yeah? Yeah, it's bittersweet. Yeah? I mean, I love L.A. 
and I hate L.A. Yeah, you know, right. On yeah. two levels. Yeah. It's not that I hate it. It's just that, um, you know, uh, when the Runaways broke up, right. it was devastating to right. me. And yeah. it really, uh, I could feel, or at least it felt to me, that, like the people were laughing and saying, we told you. Yeah, you that, couldn't do this. It right. wouldn't work. But when you came out here, you didn't like. I uh, for some reason when I watched the documentary, I was like, "Did she run away from home?" But you were you were around here, right? You you yeah. you come from Pennsylvania. Yeah, were you lucky to get out of there? I think. No, I like Pennsylvania. You do? It's nice. I, I yeah. Was it rural? There. Was it the rural part or near Philly? Where was it? It was all suburbs. You know, I was yeah. born, born in Philly, but yeah. got out of there when I was six months old. Yeah. My, I moved to, my parents moved to Pittsburgh. Yeah. My, then I had a brother yeah. and sister were born there. Yeah. Lived in Erie, Pennsylvania until wow, I was about eight. Yeah. Then I moved to Rockville, Maryland, yeah. funny enough, Rockville. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's where I sort of fell in love with rock and roll. So would you say you have a like a Pennsylvania accent, it's like a Philly? Like, because you do it's, have it's, a twang. It, to, there's something to it. it. It's it's East Coast. It's yeah. more like a yeah. It would be Philly, right. Maryland. Yeah, Maryland kind of is like Philly yeah. and the South at yeah. the same time. And Jersey too. Jersey, Philly, and New York. They're, they're definitely defined disp- accents. Yes, it's a tough accent. Yes, you lucked out. It's a good accent to have. So when you were, okay, so you're in Pittsburgh, and you have two older, you're the oldest or what? I'm the oldest, yeah. Yeah. Well, are they either of your sibs in uh, in music business? No. 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 They're both just people regular jobs. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, when you say, like, uh, where where'd you start getting hip to, like, the music? When did it start turning you, like, you know, towards it? I lived in, in Rockville, Maryland, mm-hmm. a little suburb of uh, Washington, D.C., yeah. and it was just sort of, I guess, you know, you, you as you age, as you come out of being a little kid, yeah, into listening to, going from like Donny Osmond to the Osmonds, yeah, something like or that was on the radio. What's when that would, when we were kids? With the Osmond Brothers, the Osmond Brothers, yeah, and yeah, kind of right, yeah. Well, you know, for a teenage sure, girl, sure. At Partridge that time. Family, that that <laughs> a little younger. Uh, <laughs> that um, no, but I didn't really. Yeah, I mean, I liked the songs; they were sure. okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then something shifted. Around eleven, something like that. Yeah, my yeah. ear, yeah, hearing things like uh, "All Right Now" by yeah, Free. Yeah. There was something in the rhythm guitar yeah, sound, yeah. yeah, that I wanted to make those sounds. Yeah, what was that? that guy was a good guitar player. He died. What was it Kossoff? Was that his name? The guitar player? Oh, from Paul Free? Kossoff. Kossoff I think. Paul Kossoff. Yeah, I could be wrong. No, that's right. Okay, he had a good sound. That guy. But it was just you know a little bit out, a little bit out of tune. Yeah, a few yeah. songs like that, uh, uh, T Rex, Bang a Gong. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That, so I just wanted to make those sounds. And, and you were like eleven, twelve. Probably when it start, you know, when yeah. it started. Yeah, and, yeah. And by thirteen, I worked up the courage to ask my parents for an electric guitar for, they for give Christmas. You? They gave me an electric guitar, like a good one, a Sears Silvertone. Oh yeah. Oh, so that's right. Kind of came with an came amp with the amp. You plug it right in. Those and are worth uh, a lot of money now. The silver tones. Did you I keep hear. It? No, I have no idea where it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure. I, I just don't know. How long did it take before you learned how to you know play rock? Uh, did you have to start like <clears throat> with folk stuff and get bored and doing? Yeah, actually, I went and I took a guitar lesson, yeah. and I being you know when you're young you're exuberant and you think sure. you can do everything right now. Yeah. So of course I go in there and I say, "Teach me how to play rock and roll." Yeah. And yeah. without 
without the basics. So he's like, first of all, he says, girls don't play rock and roll. And so that kind of... He said that... kind of hit me yeah. w- strangely yeah, because yeah. I'm like, I'm in, in school with girls playing Beethoven and Bach on their violins. Right. So what are you saying? Yeah, you know? right. So I, I went through the lesson... Uh, he was trying to teach me on top of old Smokey. Yeah. But, you know, r- obviously you have to learn the basics first. And It's always those weird, know, dumb songs. Too, well, if he just said, yeah. look, you can play rock and roll, you just have to learn the basics yeah, first. Yeah, right. Then I would have been like, oh, okay, teach yeah. me the basics. Right. But saying, no, you can't do that. Yeah. I, I just went to that one lesson and quit and bought a learn how to play chords yourself. You need those three chords. Yeah, and I listened to those singles that I went out and bought, like All Right Now. Yeah. And I just played along with it. Did you have the chord charts, like the book of chords, where to put your fingers and that kind no, of shit? No, I can't really, uh, just the, just yeah, basically yeah, yeah. The, just the basic chords, but yeah. I, I don't read music, so. Right, you know, yeah, you know, the ones, just, no, not the music, yeah. but just the chord structure. The, yes, just, yeah, just yeah. the, how to play E, how yeah, to yeah, play yeah, 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 yeah. and then bar chords. Yeah, right. so I, that's really how I learned to play. Yeah. And, and I didn't push myself at that age because I didn't, beyond just kind of playing i didn't see anything coming of it yeah then, then my family moved to california which part los angeles yeah yeah uh my i had an aunt out here yeah. and my mother wanted to get out and be by her sister so my father worked at transfer he worked for an insurance company but once i moved to california yeah. then i'm thinking you know i could actually form a band yeah i can't be the only girl in LA that wants to play rock and roll. So if I'm doing this, there's got to be other girls out there. But first, so I knew it was possible. It's weird that there were really no models for it. Like, you know, when I watched a doc, you know, and, 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 and it came up and I look at the years, there really was no, you know, hard rock girl groups at, at all. Not really, no. Yeah, I mean, there was there were girl groups, right? But they were singing groups or, or pop groups, but there was no, like, rock groups. I never really thought of it until I, I saw the documentary that you guys were really one of the first ones, the Runaways, right? Yeah. So how did okay? So how did you go about pulling this band together? Well, I used to go to a club yeah. uh, that I actually read about in all my rock magazines and Cream and Circus. Uh-huh. I read about this club okay. when I still lived back east. Yeah. Called Rodney Bingenheimer's English Disco. Yeah, I see him at Cantor sometimes. Yeah. Rodney, do you? In that booth by himself with uh-huh. the, with the nice. hair. <laughs> Yeah, what, well, what? I mean, t- I'll tell you, he had, he was very important person in in rock and roll. So tell me about that place because, like, I, I that was the first time I really knew about it from watching the the documentary. Yeah, oh, it was great. It was a a, a disco for yeah. teenagers. That no, there was no booze, and uh, Rodney played all the English hits that the American kids didn't get a chance to hear, yeah, he's like. A- you know, Bowie, yeah. all, all the stuff that were, were hits in England, yeah. Sweet, yeah. Slade, Susie Quattro. Full glam. This, yeah, the full yeah. Gary Glitter, this yeah. whole vibe that just was non-existent in the States. He was on the radio. He was like the first guy to bring Bowie to the States, too, wasn't he, I think? Or wasn't he one of them? Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, Kenny's nodding. You can say yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah not, I, I know that he went to the the club. There's yeah, pictures yeah. of uh, Bowie there. Bowie there at uh, you know like in '72, '73. Those were like the heydays. Right. I got there right at the end. They closed maybe eight months after I started going. Why they close? They get in trouble? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they got in trouble. It's, I think it was just maybe business 
you know. Yeah, it's because it was an underage disco, right? Yeah. It was primarily for, for young people. Yeah. I can't imagine that that wasn't a problem in the 70s. Like I, I well, can only imagine. They, they couldn't make money. They couldn't make money. There, but, was, there was probably illicit drugs being sold like every club. Yeah. But they, they couldn't make money without the liquor. But it wasn't full of like predators and weirdos? Oh, I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I it yeah. wasn't. My brain wasn't there. So well, it didn't I had come no at idea. you, so you would you would know right. if that come, yeah. right exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you can only assume. Sure. It, yeah. Yeah. It had to be around. <laughs> so that's where you started to get into like meeting people, meeting people, and and just uh, being around like minded people. Right. That and I thought, well, wow, man, there's got to be girls that, around someplace yeah. in this scene that that play instruments yeah. so i just tried to put the word out i knew a girl uh named carrie crumb that yeah. w- wrote lyrics she was a lyricist where'd you meet her there at the club yeah, yeah. At, at ronnie's and i thought she played an instrument so yeah. i said do you want to form an all-girl band and she said I, I don't play i just write lyrics but maybe you should talk to my publisher and that yeah. was kim fowley yeah so i did i got the nerve to call Came up and said, yeah. "You know, I play guitar, and I'd like to form. I want to form an all-girl band." And he said, "Well, uh, can you send me a demo tape?" And I'm like, "I didn't even know what a demo was. Sure. I mean, I'm talking serious, naive. Yeah. You know, right? Well, how old are you? Fifteen? Yeah, probably fifteen at the yeah, time. Fifteen, you know? sixteen. Yeah. And you didn't know anything about him either. I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. You know, very peripherally, yeah. just from from the club, maybe right. seeing him standing around and stuff. But he was I, sort I of an know. ominous guy, wasn't he? To other people, yeah. He yeah. was ominous. He was very tall, yeah. uh, double-jointed, and he used that kind of stuff. He would dance, and oh, so he, he, was... he just was very, could be very intimidating to a lot of people. And well, he, I guess that's what he did. He intimidated a lot of people. Well, he had this weird solo career, right, for years, right? Yes. Like, I don't know a lot about him other than he's sort of this uh, bizarre Hollywood character, you know, and outside of producing the, the right ways, that he had this... Almost demonic presence here right, and there. But he he made some hits, right? He, and he comes he, from the same area you did, right? The pop hits in a way, like he did. Yeah, but some he was an L.A. version, right? But he he produced a group called the Mermaids, yeah, Popsicles and Icicles, which right? Big, I think that was a number one. And he was also in the band band singing group, yeah, that did Alley Oop, the oh, they, Hollywood Argyles, the original Alley Oop. Yeah, I think and that, the Beach Boys covered it at some point too. What a great song. <laughs> I know you got in the doc, you got Iggy singing it. All right, yeah. so you meet up with Kim, and, you, yeah. and, you, and he's asking for a demo. So he asked me for a demo. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a demo. And, you know, we have a short conversation, and, and that's it. Yeah. And, and I'm like, wow, I fucking blew that. <laughs> you're 15. And, um, <laughs> you be, like, you're, yeah, yeah. And, but but yeah. so he knew yeah. my name. So yeah. anyway, a couple nights later, Sandy West, who was the drummer of the right. Runaways, yeah. She lived down in Orange County in Huntington Beach, yeah. and uh, she played in a lot of bands with guys, like high school bands and doing yeah. local stuff. And she was fifteen, and right. she played drums like John Bonham. She was so intense. I mean, yeah, rest her soul. I mean, uh, she's not with us anymore. But oh, sorry. But uh, uh, anyway, she yeah. drove up to Hollywood and yeah. hung out in the Rainbow parking lot. And that's, I guess, at the time, a lot of people would, after the rainbow closed, people yeah. would hang out, and a lot of stars would go there. And it's crazy. It was I crazy guess there. people would go yeah. and look for the stars. Yeah. So, Sandy went up there, and I guess she knew who Kim was. Yeah. She walked up to him and said, Kim, I 
I'm Sandy, and I play drums. Yeah. And he said, that's really interesting. I met a girl the other night who plays guitar. Um, and I think he gave her my phone number. And uh, Yeah. So, like... She, yeah, she who, called me up and... And that's how it started. Yeah. Who were the bands are like at the time, like at the Rainbow and at those places? I mean, what, we're talking... What are we talking, like 1973? 75. Yeah, so, like who, like, who was on the scene? Who were you watching? Who were you able to... You know, kind of, I mean, I guess you're a teenager, so it's hard to get in clubs, but who were the bands at that time that were really hot? Do you remember? I don't know. that it was, I wasn't seeing bands live. Right, right. We were more or less just hanging out at, the, at that club. But I right. know Led Zeppelin was sure. really big, you yeah, know, and yeah. they were still vital. You know, the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you like Zeppelin? I did, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, okay, so you meet Sandy. Now there's two of you. Yeah. And you still need to fill out the crew. Yeah, so I took a bus to Sandy's house, four yeah. buses actually, with my guitar, and we <laughs> yeah. went to her rec room, and we got along great. You know, it was like just, we hit it off really well, and uh, we just started jamming on, you know, simple, like, wild thing kind of sure. songs, and yeah. stuff like that. So after 15 minutes or so, we call up, you know, let's call Kim. We call up Kim, yeah. put the phone down, say, listen to this, <laughs> and we start playing whatever right and, right and he said sounds great let's yeah. let's go find some other people so that's that, what we started is, to do is, is Sand, that, yeah. sandy found uh lead us somewhere i guess through friends yeah. that she knew um and uh it's amazing to me though that that like he knew he could hear the drums and the guitar and he's like i can work with this like he like well right? it was definitely unique yeah and, and we could play so yeah. it was wow you know this is something that could work how great was that feeling to just be in that rec room i mean just to, for that first time oh it was great it must it have been really you know like those are those memories right totally and it was you know your teenage dream happening yeah, yeah. so you got these other you got the other girls yeah and and then what happens you go do you, do, you, do you make a demo or do you make the record how does we, it work we recorded really quickly we uh yeah we went in the studio right away as soon as we had uh we actually made a recording as a three-piece as well um but oh, with uh it was you and sandy and and uh mickey Lee? Steele oh, okay. was the first bass player who yeah. then went on to uh form the bangles oh okay so uh she was the original bass player, but uh, it just didn't work out. I don't know if she, you know, wasn't grooving or what, whatever. Yeah. We came to part ways. Yeah. Didn't get um, too ugly, though? No. Not, no, no. No. Not at all. And um, so, yeah, then we went out looking for another lead singer. Yeah. Kim and I were hanging out in a disco. Yeah. Saw Cherie Curry and yeah. her twin sister uh-huh. dancing. Yeah. Said, they look like... They'd be great <laughs> if they up sing. on stage if they right. could sing. And so we, yeah, we asked Sheree if she sang, and she said she did. We said, come and audition. Back and in the rec room, or did you go to the studio? No, no, we went to a, a rehearsal studio. Yeah. And uh, she showed up with, with sort of a, I don't even, I can't remember what the song was, but uh-huh. it was something, it was easy listening. Yeah, oh, really? Thing. And yeah. we were not into that, you know, and so we didn't know what to do. And so Kim says, we're going to write a song. So Kim and I went out to another part of the another another room, yeah. another uh, rehearsal room, yeah. and uh, just started jamming. I started playing some chords, yeah. and uh, actually we came up with a chorus first, and so it came, went from uh, the 
writing Hello Daddy, Hello Mom, I'm Your Cherry Bomb. Yeah. And then we came up with the, with the rest of it. We probably didn't come up with the finished lyrics right at that point, but right. had enough for her to sing. So after 20 minutes, we went back in there and said, sing this. Yeah. And, uh, and she did. And she, she owned it. You know, she yeah. took a hold of it and made it her own. And, yeah. and that was that. And, and, that, and the, the, the Runaways are born. Yeah, basically. And then you recorded like shortly after that? Yeah, because we, we had already had several songs we had written since those couple months we had been together. Right. We were writing and working and yeah, writing yeah. and touring, you know, and go, not touring, but, but playing all around the city. You South did play Bay. out? Oh, yeah, yeah. We played before everywhere put, but Hollywood, yeah. Before the first record came out? Yeah. And how, how were you received in general, you know, when you're, you're playing these little clubs, right, or bars and stuff? Yeah, um... Hard to say initially. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, it, it was good. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, it was okay. Yeah. We were playing things like house parties. Yeah. You know oh, things right. like that. Who was and, booking you? Kim was just getting you these gigs. Yeah, we'd. Yeah. we'd uh, yeah, Kim and I, I'm sure there were some other people yeah, involved. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, he didn't. He wasn't a businessman on that level. He right. Didn't really book the tours and stuff. But you didn't feel the pushback yet, because I know, like you said early on, even your guitar teacher at first was like wary of a of a woman playing rock music. And you know, like in the documentary, you go into a bit about that. But you didn't feel that immediately that people were like, "What the fuck are these chicks doing with guitars?" No, I think I was too overwhelmed with being excited with what sure. we were doing, having fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it the, wasn't until part. we started doing press. Mm-hmm. and things like for that the where they started yeah I don't even know if it was specifically for the record but I'm sure, sure right. it was and uh, you know we started getting asked all kinds of weird questions that so, I couldn't even tell you so when the record came out the first record that's like 19 what S- 76 you like 18 years old no, I was seventeen. Seventeen, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal, right? I mean, like, how how was the first album received when it came out? What what was the push behind it? How did it how did it go? It was well, we had a bit. Uh, we were on Mercury Records, yeah. I believe it. Big it, label, even, right? Yeah, and I think they uh, actually worked on yeah. promoting it. it had a, bit. a good angle, right? And uh, we were on the charts, yeah. I believe, for on, Cherry Bomb. Uh, yeah, yeah, for that first album, yeah, they may yeah. have charted. Yeah, and Cherry Bomb definitely charted. Yeah. It charted. Yeah. yeah. And and so now you're like, you know, what happens next? Do you start? I didn't realize until I looked it up after I watched the, the movie that this is that like you're coming out at the same time really as the Ramones, as the Sex Pistols. That all happened simultaneously. Because yeah. I know you had relationships with these bands right. later on. Yeah, yeah. But you're right there. No, I there. had right there. I had relationships with them right then. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. So you were on their radar even though it was a different coast so everyone knew about everybody. Pretty much. And yeah. being on the road, we'd run into each other. I oh, mean, yeah? The Runaways eventually wound up, we did a three-month tour with the Ramones, which was amazing. But Led Zeppelin knew who they were too. What's that? Led Zeppelin knew who the oh, Runaways yeah? were and came to one of their gigs. Oh yeah, and wearing Runaways t-shirts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's pictures of Joan with Robert Plant when she was 16 or some, something along yeah, that. Yeah, uh, Is that true? Do you yeah. got to meet him and hang out? Oh yeah, it? yeah, definitely. And they were they were decent guys, right? They were very nice. Yeah, and, and then friends in the 80s. Yeah, we went on tour with Robert when we had uh, whatever hits there were for us at that moment, and he had. I'm in a mood for a melody. Oh, yeah, Now yeah, and yeah. Zen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> so, yeah, we were touring Like that with first him. solo record or second solo record? Yeah, After yeah, Zeppelin? Yeah. So, at that time, like, like music is blowing up, right? There's a whole New York scene, and you're part of the uh, the L.A. scene uh, now into, like, 76. So, who are the other bands around that were kind of breaking through then? 
in L.A. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Because you must have seen him when you were playing out and around. Because after the first record, you were able to play in town, right? Van Halen opened for the Runaways. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. They were a band that was on, you know, <laughs> struggling to get noticed. Yeah. Tom, Tom Petty, Petty opened for the Runaways. He opened uh, for you, the Heartbreakers yes, did? Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, contemporaries of her, the Talking Heads. Sure. Chrissy Hine, who was friends with her before, before Joan was well known. Chrissy adopted her. It's so weird that time of music, right, Kenny? Like, there was so much different types of music going on. That was really sort of like all variations. Because, like, if you look at the Heartbreakers and Van Halen and then the Runaways, they're, they're all different type of bands. It's all rock music. Exactly. But it all worked together. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But but it was also like I, I felt Tom Petty and the Runaways and obviously the Ramones and Talking Heads was part of what they later called new wave yeah right? sure yeah but van halen to me was not part of the new wave they <laughs> no were, no no right? i think i think the first heartbreakers album might have snuck in there yeah but they right <laughs> yeah. new wave but then they became more of a pop you know a rock yeah band, yeah yes classic, yes, you know. yes yes all right so so now you're making it and now like you're feeling like the, the how's the band holding up under the the success and and how how now? Now is when you start getting pushback for being a girl group totally, a little bit. Totally, yeah. But not from other bands necessarily. Do you feel it from other bands? Uh, some bands, yeah. yeah. Some bands, but most bands were okay. But yeah. there were definitely, you know, vibes from some bands like and you, uh, like people you, making fun of us and yeah, laughing side stage, throwing stuff on the stage. Really? Oh yeah. Just because you were girls, yeah, yeah, just because you were I guess. women, and maybe we were doing well, and they, you know, oh, yeah. worried but about their, jealousy. Their gig they, yeah, they were something. Yeah. I don't know, you know. It's, well, you know, it's a shitty business trying to make it in a in in rock and roll or in comedy. There's always gonna be jealous assholes. Well, I was it was always weird to me well, that that people would be so nasty. I get it if you no, don't there like was it. Agenda thing. Don't listen, you know. Yeah, but but people it was agenda. Were, totally it was agenda, gender gender bias. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was in England, and they made a law. That they had to hire an equal amount of women, or at least a better percentage. Yeah, because there were no women in the recording industry. Yeah, uh, and um, I remember one of the execs said, "You know, studio is a stag scene. There's really yeah. no place for a woman." Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and like. Of course, everyone. Yeah, of course. You know, right. But then, but why? <laughs> yeah, but, you know. <laughs> but when you were younger, I mean, they they were definitely girl groups, but they weren't looked at in the same way. They had to be dainty. Uh huh. They and had do to be cute dainty. songs. Some of the some of the um, uh, R and B groups, yeah, could do the church thing and yeah. sweat a bit. Yeah, like uh, our friend Darlene Love. Yeah, but even when she was in the Blossoms on Shindig, yeah, uh, they were just. Really not supposed to be sweating. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. They were supposed to be ladylike. Ladylike. Yes. Didn't Tina Turner break that shit open? Well, yeah, there's always I mean, like wow. One of, yeah. You can't sweat. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. But you know what? <laughs> Tina did not become big until much later. I mean, really big, big. She right. was as a she, solo act. She yeah, she was uh, Phil Spector's great failure with River Deep Mountain High. That that didn't achieve what he thought it would achieve. And, yeah. And but then later on she had that in her fifties, I think she was sure. the Stones helped her get going. Yeah, and yeah. she had those hits. Huge hits. Yeah. Did you know Spectre? Yes. Did you see it coming? <laughs> Whatever happened? He was a nasty guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was not a nice fella. He wasn't warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And and he was a bully. Yeah, very threatened. 
by yeah, everything threatened and then he would have bodyguards or he would some of the people he worked with like anderson poncia great writers wrote some hits with them they were tough guys yeah so right. the, he he had a songwriters who could write hits and still beat up people okay. because he always wanted to start fights with people yeah well he he's uh, you know he ended up very badly bad man well, karma. Yeah, I, that's, him, I that's well, he sure. probably deserved to be there a long time before that. God knows what he did that he got away with. Really. Yeah, right, right. So, all right. So, what happened to the Runaways? They, they, the second out. You got you charted on the first album, then you put out. You only did three albums and a live album, right? We did four studio albums. Yeah, uh, and a live album. Yeah. Right after one, one right after the other. You just pretty kept, much every year. Once one a year, pretty much. And you're touring bigger venues as each one happens. Like, is it getting bigger, or are you just kind of? Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we played different gigs with different bands, so some were bigger and some were smaller. Yeah, you know, you did some opening act. thousand seats, fifteen hundred yeah. kind of. Did you open for any big uh, for the big bands? Were you on that kind of uh, trajectory where you like open for like a the Zeppelin or somebody like that? You opened for the Tubes. I know that was oh. a big deal. Yeah, that was early on. That was mm. seventy, early 76, Here? maybe even 75, yeah. Fee Weeble? Was, San was that his name? Fee Weeble? Faye. Yeah. Faye. Yeah, Faye yeah, yeah. Weeble. Something like that, yeah. I was it White Punks on Dope? Was that it? Was that their big uh-huh. Yes, that's, yes. <laughs> well, did you do that up in San Francisco or were they down I here? I think it was that we did it up there. Yeah, because I yeah. think they're a Bay Area outfit. Right? They are. Yeah, they yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually their choreographer, uh-huh. Kenny, Kenny Ortega, who's yeah. now a big director, right? Yeah. Uh, was Worked with us to help us uh, work on some stage moves. Because yeah. I guess we felt more, it wasn't really moves. I right. guess some of it was, but... More about just being comfortable in the space, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was sort of like no, and also knowing when to, you know, move up to the audience and yeah, when yeah. to go back. You know, just having a sense of the stage. Yeah, yeah. Putting on a little show. You know, a little bit of choreography. You know, the guitar is moving, but that was right in the beginning of that. You know, now it's so cliche that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got your own moves. Yeah, now you don't have to. Hopefully, it just <laughs> yeah. uh, comes out. You right. Know? Yeah, eventually. So what? So now the popularity in the states didn't take off as much you know, as it did elsewhere. Is that what happened? Yeah. Well, I never really felt the Runaways achieved what they what they could have. You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I guess I was always sort of uh, felt the the push from the press. Where yeah. I never felt really successful in, in the United States. Yeah. Even though. You know, we got okay coverage, so but you, a lot of it was uh, could be nasty. Yeah, they they just kind of marginalized you. Yeah, depending yeah. on what or or just uh, just took shots, made everything we were doing seem like it was unnatural. Uh huh. When it's totally natural for there, there were people that were offended. That's uh-huh. what I would I say. That offended. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very there were people offended. were offended that um, we had the audacity. That they, yeah, they were going into. A stag scene. <laughs> yeah, so we had like the, the audacity yeah. to dare do this. It's crazy. You know, once you get that vibe, yeah. You know, once they get, they show you, right, that they think it's audacious that you're doing that, right. Who are you to do this? Then it's like, okay, man, all shit. Okay, now now jacket gets thrown down on the ground. It's it. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. We're going all the way. Yeah, fuck you. You know, and this that's you know pretty early on that, yeah. that you felt this. Yeah. You did know, all I, the girls feel it? I'm sure we all did to a yeah. different degree, but right. we all handled it, I think, differently. Right. You know, I mean, I I remember early on somebody asking me a section uh, a question about sex. Yeah, and I thought 
if I answer this question, that's all the Runaways music will be about. And right. I mean, it already it, people are focused too much on the sexuality or whatever. I mean, that yeah. just comes with the nature, I guess, of being girls playing rock and roll. Right. Obviously. But if I answer this question, that's all it's going to be about. What was the question? I, ha- I don't even remember, but yeah. I have to steer them to music. This is about music, dude. You know? Right. Yeah. You know, but you, uh, you, caught, you caught that oh, right yeah, away. Yeah. And it was like, it was like right. that universe thing where yeah. it comes into your right. head loud. Don't answer this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because it would have trivial, trivialized. Totally, you. totally. And I got it on a deep, right deep level. They were trying know? to box you in. Don't you know? Don't yeah. let them do this. And so you know, that's kind of been. Well, know, well that's interesting because, like, it, it did that? Well, how did like it, you were? You were sort of the leader of the band, right? Nah, no, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I mean, right. I thought we were all. Kim Did used our, to say she was the soul of the band. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah we all were, you know, in, integral pieces of, of the band, I I felt. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it was like a, a team. Yeah. You know, so it was easy for me to brag about that because, yeah. you know, it wasn't about but, me. But that's John's humility. She, yeah. John was writing the songs and singing half of the leads. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say she's a leader. So now, when you go to like Japan and like wherever you went toured Europe, now were these were you getting the welcome that you like? Were you all of a sudden playing for like you know five thousand people, like you know big big ass shows? Yes, yes. that must have been a tremendous. It was unbelievable. And that was after what the second album? After, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess our first tour overseas was after the second album. Uh huh. I believe. And yeah. is that when you met Chrissy Hind and that crew and those people? No, over I'd, in England? I'd known Chrissy. Uh, Probably the before then. Oh yeah, before then. I'm not. I'm not really sure. Because she was living in England for a while. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were on the road too. She might have ever said when I met her than me. But yeah. Um, but um, so, so that was sort of. You at least had some camaraderie there. At least you had some. You know, uh, a strong I, I woman. Felt, I felt like uh, the British. The British certainly were yeah. exposed, and the Europeans as well were exposed to a wider variety of music yeah. in general. Right. I think. Yeah. Um, as popular music. So I think they were just in generally more accepting. They they thought it was different and yeah. weird, but it was still rock and roll. They didn't give us that same level of uh, right uh, shit like you should not be here kind of thing. Well, it seems like between the press and and, and some of the other the bands that there was re- they were really threatened here. And I think that you know, going overseas, like you're, you've already got that freedom. Like you're not, you know, you're not in their scene. You're not, right. you know, you're not English. So like you're just a band from America that sounds good, and that must have been like a relief to, yeah. to, to yeah. go into that environment. Did you meet Definitely. like that first tour of like England? Is is that where you met like uh, the Pistols and those people? We met all kinds of people. Yeah, a lot of the cool Lemmy, bands. did you meet Lemmy over yes. there? Yes, in fact, Lemmy yeah. was. Uh, we did our first show in London yeah. with Motorhead. We opened for them. Yeah, and um, Lemmy let me wear his bullet belt. Yeah, I thought he was giving it to me. I'm like, oh my god, he's giving me that belt. And right after the show, he was like, give me my belt. <laughs> but you know, Lemmy and I were close his whole life, and uh, that shows you he's a guy. You know that's a man. He's yeah. not threatened by. He's not threatened by strong women. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, um It didn't seem like he was threatened you, by much. W- yeah, but I mean, you know, when yeah. you're around a guy like that, who's yeah. not threatened by you, it's very easy to just 
relax. Hang out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know? Yeah. And not have to be on guard. Did you all feel the more time. comfortable over there in England? Well, I wouldn't say more more comfortable than being at home. Yeah. I, f- I f- felt musically yeah. comfortable. Yeah, definitely. And like when we went to Japan, yeah. Oh man, it was like it, it, you can only compare it to something like the Beatles. It right. was crazy and yeah. it was all girls yeah all oh, really? teenage girls right so that was kind of we didn't get it it was kind of confusing and then we realized you know oh women have a tough time here too right kind of looked at as second-class citizens so we were sort of heroes i guess yeah and, and it was i mean they were rocking the car i mean it was really wow. intense That's you know i think it was a little scary to some of, some oh, yeah? of us oh yeah not it, not for me i thought i was excited uh, but yeah. I think Mom, some, to be yeah clear, it, 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 Japan, they were superstars. Yeah. In Scandinavia, they were superstars. Oh, yeah. It wasn't so much England. England, they were in the papers, but yeah. they were like treated like cartoon characters almost. Oh, really? Um, yeah. In England. But in, in Sweden, they were having hit singles. Right. In and, Sweden, we got yeah. off a plane and totally not unexpected. All teenage girls, all these blonde teenage girls <laughs> wearing <laughs> real pacifiers real huh. like rubber pacifiers uh-huh. i'm like what the fuck is this yeah you know i guess it was some fa- i never found out it must have been some <laughs> fad the yeah. teenage girls wear real pacifiers yeah so uh somebody i guess was it you you gave me a pacifier <laughs> a silver one you know a little silver pacifier yeah. that i wore for for years yeah. and years to commemorate that oh wow so my dog chewed it up right but you weren't <laughs> you guys weren't together then though right yet no, no, not no, for that. Not for the, we, not we, for no. we met at the tail end of what was the Runaways, well, so, the, uh, the wreckage yeah. of the Runaways. So yeah. what happens to the Runaways ultimately? You do four records. Is it getting worse? What's starting to? What's pulling it apart? Yeah, it's get, it's getting worse. I never it's, understand this with bands. Yeah, it's get, getting worse. What I is? think. Um, well, just the whole the whole cohesion of the band. When we went to Japan. Yeah. I think that was the beginning of the end. Um, something happened over there. I mean, uh, there's it's discussed a little bit in the movie, but with uh, Cherry, Cherie, Cherie, Cherie did a yeah, big, Cherie, a Cherie. big uh, tour yeah. booklet, right? You know, and it was a uh, sort of like you know, all in her bathing uh, bathing suit and her corset. It was very sort of soft, poor, yeah, pornish, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, she was tell- told us that she didn't know that we didn't know, and. But look, Who said we, we were together all the time. There's no way right. that she wouldn't say, as an aside, hey, hey, Joan, I'm doing this photo shoot, or are you guys doing one? Yeah. You know, I knew, so obviously they were trying to keep it secret till there was nothing the rest of the band could do about it. And Kim I set it up? I don't know who set it up. Kim, we had another guy that was kind of a road manager guy yeah. named Scott. Yeah. He might have set it up. Right. But I don't know. And it was in conjunction with the record label. Yeah. So, you know, everybody knew but the the uh, the rest of us. And and this was upsetting to the rest of the band. Why? Be- because it made it seem like the Runaways was all Cherie uh-huh. and just sexualized sex. It. Right. The, the big like, no-no. The thing you wanted to avoid. Totally. Totally. And it was like, what? Yeah. What are you, out of your mind? Yeah. And at this point, Cherie was like, I don't care. She yeah. was. She thought she didn't need us. She was like, you guys are holding me. Because really, Cherie's more into um, pop, poppier music. She's right. softer music. She's not, doesn't really love rock and roll. Right. You know, it's not her thing. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, I was res- I respect that, but she, you know, had had it. I guess she was done and wanted to go Do pursue her, her own thing and thought, you know, I don't need this. So she just kind of, kind of left right after Japan. Yeah. So that was after. So in in that was you'd done that. You did. Did you do a record without her? Or you didn't. Yes, we did an album after, after two albums after that actually. Yeah, and you did all the singing. I did all the singing. Yeah, most of it actually. Sandy sang lead on a song. Lita might have sang lead on a song uh-huh. on our last album. But. And now with Cherie, is that your third name? Yeah. You guys are friends again. No. Yeah. After the band broke up, we didn't really speak ever much. Yeah. Oh yeah, we speak now. Yeah. But, uh, I you know right afterwards it was you know very right. weird. So after you do the two records with you with you being the front person, what 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 stops the band after that? How did how did it come unhinged again, or finally disband? Well, you know I think uh, for the for the pr- for the press and yeah. for the record label and everybody, they felt they lost the lead the blonde lead singer. Yeah. You know, and they were looking at it like that. I was just this sort of punk rock rhythm guitar player, you know. Right. I'm not going to be that person that gets people excited. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I guess. I yeah. mean, that's, uh, that's what I'm that's guessing, it. you know, the way they look at girls. Yeah. I was just, you know, too whatever right. for them. And, um, and also then within the band, musical differences started coming out because... Sandy always, you know, she was a heavy drummer. She liked heavy music, mm-hmm. uh, Zeppelin and, you know, hard rock. Yeah. And so did Lita. Yeah. And they both liked heavier music than what I liked. I was more straight up rock and roll, punk rock right. kind of stuff. And so the last album that we did we uh, was a producer named John Alcock who uh-huh. did hard music, I yeah. guess. And um, I... I my personally, I feel he probably worked on those differences. You know, oh, really? To make oh, sure. Sorry. Right, right. I don't really know, but I just know that uh, a lot of the songs were harder. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I don't like the direction this is going. I don't want to get fired from a band that I started. Yeah. So why don't we just dissolve this? Because they wanted to go in a heavier direction, and I didn't. And so instead of having a big argument, let's just part ways so they just know, but that was it so it's musical differences so now you're pretty much yeah so now you're out you're out of a gig you're out of a band did you ever meet johnny thunders no i don't think from so. uh yeah. from the new york uh dolls and from uh the heartbreakers when we did the bad reputation album which yeah. was originally joan chet we did it in the who's studio called rampart uh-huh in london yeah and johnny thunders was recording at night uh-huh and we were recording during the day. Oh yeah. So yeah, Johnny doesn't remember. Right. Going to say because it didn't. But he we, died. We soon used after to see that. him almost every night. They would be when we when we came in the morning. They yeah. would be leaving, and there would be uh, right the residue of white yeah powder all over the desk. Yeah, he was a yeah he was. Yeah, a they they drug were pretty monster. wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, well, yeah he, he must have died soon after that. Yeah, it couldn't have been that much. Maybe longer. a couple of years or something. Yeah, yeah, sad one. That was sad. No, yeah. like a hotel room in New Orleans or something. Just you know, someone robbed him and OD'd bad. So when you, so what? So that in the in the doc, you know, it really depicts that time where your bandless is like existentially horrendous. Like you just didn't know, you know, what you were going to do, where yeah, you were going to go. Yeah, I was totally lost. And I just was down, down, and you were yeah. here in this town. Yeah. And you got, you were getting pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How long did that go on for? Um, 
I guess I, I don't know. We met in the summer. I thought we met in the Kenny? early summer of that year, like June. Yeah. June. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Maybe it was earlier. It was we met. Yeah. But when, when we, you met him, were you like you know you know you're in trouble? <laughs> you got to get cleaned up. We well, got to figure out what we're gonna do I, here. I didn't know the extent no. Of, no? of the drug use. It didn't. I, I think she put on her best face anyway, and although she didn't look she wasn't uh, well groomed did you get strung out no i wasn't i wasn't addicted to yeah. anything i just partied too much but she yeah. was drinking a lot oh the drinking and, and, it, and mm -hmm. it, it bloated her yeah and so she was like just different than she was in the runaways but when i met her i just got taken with her music yeah you know this that we wrote she played the guitar she sang the song and the, the first song that we worked on together was you don't know what you got till it's gone and that one um she got to the chorus and she went oh baby and i went whoa <laughs> this is this you know somebody who looks like joan um with a black leather jacket and you know though i remembered i don't think she really had the razor blades but i always remembered like yeah razor blades and and you know it was a scene and she came in and uh but she also knew how to let it hang out we met to yeah. write to do a project right the runaways it's signed to do a, a movie and i was supposed to write songs for it yeah and then we broke up and I did, but I didn't want to get sued, right? Because the movie thing was still happening. Yeah. So, uh, my manager at the time, Toby Mamus, thought you know we should write these songs. So, he what movie reached? I don't even know. It wound up be call, <laughs> being called Dabidio. Oh, yeah. It was wound up some Mama We're All Crazy Now was the original. Was the original? Title. Yeah, Mama We're All yeah. Crazy Now. It was a weird porno, you said? Yeah, like Dabidio. Well, it's yeah. called or something. Yeah. Yeah. They, I don't know what it is. But you feel that, you've, you've, you honored that contract. I honored the contract yeah. and, and met Kenny to write the songs. We had to write six songs in three days or something, which we did. You and Kenny? Yes. And uh, it could have just ended there. Right. But, you know, it could have not even happened. My, right, my wife was reading about Joan in the British, um, those music magazines. Yes. And Merrill said, you should meet this Joan Jett, she's going to be something. She's looks significant. My mm -hmm. wife, she spotted it in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, yeah. She thought, yeah, because otherwise I probably wouldn't have gone. Now, I, had, I had to go all the way from England to California. You were in England at the time? I was in England when I got the phone call. Were you living there? Yeah, I had, I had a residence in New York and England at uh -huh. the same time for a while. Now, when you were in that zone where, where you were uh, sort of like rudderless or, or, or depressed... Now, I mean, you must have seen. Was there was there part of you that got scared of where you were in the sense that, like, a lot of the people you hung out with, it seemed like were dying. Yeah. I mean, like you, you know, you spend time with Sid Vicious. Yeah. And that like ended like as bad as a as a drug scene could end. It ended that way for totally. him. Totally. And you must have seen a lot of that shit. Totally. And you but, didn't want to go down like that. Did you have no, that? Did you I have was, that moment where you're like, "Fuck"? And I, I knew I was kind of heading in that direction. And um, yeah, it's definitely scary because yeah. I always felt really very alone. That's when you know nobody's around and you're drinking <laughs> nobody alone. Wants to talk to you. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you're that person. Yeah, drinking like, a lot and doing other things. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I definitely know. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got off of that shit too. <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's. Uh, 
then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll join the military. You know, yeah. so, but I was serious. I thought I'm gonna, <laughs> otherwise I'll die. Yeah. I'll learn something. I'll get some discipline. I'll travel. I'll meet people. You know, better than prison. I won't die. Yeah. yeah. Or prison. Right? right. Yeah. That'll get you. In so, shape. um, you know, I, I was seriously thinking about it, and then I met Kenny, and I didn't have to go go that route. But it always made me recognize that, um, and that's why I like to, when I can, do stuff for. For the troops and play for them and do do different things. Yeah, because they're just like me. They are me. It could have been me. I almost went. Yeah. So you know, just I just have that sort of recognition. Sure. That, yeah. Yeah. The sensitivity. You know, everybody doesn't the join to go fight and kill people. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because you did a lot of stuff for the troops, right? I've done things. Yeah. 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 So the, I think that's interesting about the partnership that you guys created is like your your music history. Is very specific before her that yes. you, that you know Buddha Records was you know making a specific type of music and we talked about that a little before with Kim Foley who also did I did, what would you call it, bubblegum pop or what what's what's the word for well it? I, I I get to the, the very smallest uh, um, definition for yeah. bubblegum which was the Buddha thing and 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 the head of Buddha Neil Bogart named it bubblegum yeah ohio express 1910 fruit gum company other people define it like jeff barry said it's teddy bear by elvis yeah, you know sure, I mean? right right uh, it's and, a type of hit though yeah you're trying to make yeah, hits yeah well it's you know the way of looking at it i look at it that this buddha thing that i was part of that's the bubblegum and other pop music yeah but then other people think Tommy Rowe, who did Dizzy, and uh, uh, and maybe even the Partridge Family. I right. look at them as a um, a television phenomena, sure, and like the Monkees. Yeah. but I don't look at it as bubblegum. But other people do. Well, what were some of the songs you were involved it's pop, in? <laughs> it's pop music. Yeah, though. definitely. Uh, well, <laughs> Yummy Yummy, Chewy Chewy, One Two Three Red Lights, Moni Moni, Moni Moni. He's the big dun. <laughs> Dun, dun. Oh, that's him on the well, on the piano yeah, on organ on organ. Yeah, there's a piano there too, but you, the, what you hear is the organ. And you played with Tommy James. Oh yeah, yeah. Tommy was the Led Zeppelin of bubblegum. Yeah, <laughs> and then you guys covered Crimson and Clover. That yeah. was you did the you, you did the best job with that song. And Thank I like you. Tommy's version, but I love Thank your you. version. Thank that, you. I, I can listen to your version. It kills me. It kills me. Tommy's version doesn't kill me as much. <laughs> <laughs> you did something with that song. But so that's so that's your you and you were producing and playing, playing sometimes <laughs> writing. So when you saw her and you saw and coming from where you come from, like a, a sort of a hit making ideology, because like you know if you listen, you, your first record rocks hard, but there's something about the production that made it very accessible. Now, are you conscious of that? Yes, yes, and I'm also conscious that you know because Joan being a woman, me being a guy, yeah. Um, it's backwards because the um, the poppy parts come from me, and the the deep, heavy, menacing rock and roll parts come from her. It's, you know, not a hundred percent. No, but way, it's an but incredible yeah, balance. Yeah, yeah. What was the song that really pushed pushed you guys through? Was it was it um, Bad Reputation? Well, Bad one? Rap was one of the very first on the radio, and Do You Want to Touch Me? Yeah, that also the, the, both of them were happening on our own label at AOR Radio at once. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that really doesn't happen today. I suppose there's another form of it happening on on, on streaming services, but uh, 
we were able to take a record that had no label behind it and bring it to radio stations and Which they played crazy. those two songs but you know we didn't know how you to drove really... it around what in the car yes we would go there we would book clubs was this the... on is this after you couldn't get a label was this on yes. your label yes so so her first record was an independent record yes because you couldn't sell it anywhere exactly right. Because of the same problems you always had. Because, yeah. Well, it got worse. Yeah, yeah. The Polygram, which was Mercury. Yeah. Every girl in the Runaways, Sandy West, Lita, Cherie, those yeah. three, they all got record deals. Right. And um, Joan didn't get a record deal from the American company. And so- What was the reasoning? They don't you know, give it to you. It's all crazy things. I, yeah. You know, like the head of marketing for Atlantic Records once said to me, she's got to stop hiding behind that guitar and get out there and rock like Pat Benatar. What the and fuck? Then, and, and I then, mean, yeah, give and me then, a break. And there was... Um, no, no slight to Pat Benatar, but it's just, you know... But there, yeah. There, there, Joan was a punk rocker in the band. The others were not punk rockers at all. Um, Cherie, I, I think, you know, going back to that story, I think the song she brought in to sing was Mandy yeah. by but Barry, Barry Manilow. Manilow. Yeah, for the Runaways or something like that. I think it was a Manilow song. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh, but, man. Yeah, Lita yeah. wanted to take her and, head off. And then the other girls, <laughs> the other girls were Ronnie Dio fans, you know? That's and, all right. Yeah. It is sort of a, a punk glam hybrid. Yes. Almost, mm -hmm. Right? That's what we were shooting for. That's yeah. what, exactly what, yeah. So after the first record you put out on your own, you get some juice, right? I mean, it was a big record, right? It was it, it was pretty big, but it, it, it's, it still not, wasn't enough that people kissed our ass. And this is the thing, because Kenny, like you said, he yeah. knows a bunch of guys and people in the business. He's been in the business. So he figured, I'll get Joan a deal in a heartbeat. He yeah. thought it was going to be easy. Yeah. And then he started running into these walls, which, I mean, you saw yeah. in, in the movie, yeah. all the letters of these yeah. guys writing, saying, and it, at the top, which is the best part, it refers to all the songs they heard. I Love Rock and Roll, Crimson and Clover, Do You Want to Touch Me, Bad Reputation, and I think one other one. Yeah. All of which were hits. All, and all these letters say, you need a song search. Yeah. Sorry, right. not for us. Right. So either, you know, they don't listen to what they get, They've already decided, no right. matter what, we don't want her. Let's just give some lame excuse. Yeah. You know, but whatever, they heard all these hits and they're passing. So it just shows, yeah. you know, that they've, it's, I don't know. They prejudged no or, or they still like ingrained sexism to the whole thing or yeah, whatever. and he thought it was going to be easy, it. but it wasn't easy. But, and then he got pissed. Well, wait a minute. Out of and then we were both though, pissed. It, a lot of bands, when they start, people don't hear it. The Beatles sure. were turned down by Mercury of all labels. Every week for a year, in the beginning. Uh -huh. you know, I mean, you know, it's it's hard. Well, a lot of bands hard, get but, turned down. But yeah. there was that other thing going on that you totally. referenced. The sexism. Yeah, the sexism was was pretty intense, and I was I was kind of really surprised. Uh, it was like people were emotionally offended as i said before is that something uh, yeah like well, i mean why am i saying that it's completely it, yeah, obvious but, but it wasn't yeah. just like an intellectual sort yeah. of no we're not interested kenny yeah it's like they had they got emotional too about it angry like yeah they, right. they, they were in, insulted right and so kenny yeah knowing me and now being friends right he's insulted back going what do you mean <laughs> you know what do you mean now yeah not just me being angry yeah. about life and trying to explain it to everybody and nobody gets it now he gets it 
and he's with me and he gets it from the ground level. Yeah. What I'm feeling. He's right. getting that same stuff. Yeah. Even more because they're probably saying shit they wouldn't say to me to him. Right. Yeah. You know? And you say, fuck you, I'm going to put out the next album too. Well, we yeah, had no we choice. Just, by then we were we, just like, Treading water, yeah. <laughs> you know. It was no, like, we wanted to be on a. We yeah. wanted to be on a sure. label, yeah. You know, but they didn't want us, and thank God they didn't want us because now we own everything. Yeah, <laughs> it you know, works so out. Thanks yeah. a lot, dudes. So, so I love rock and roll. You put out, and that was it. That was the big one, right? Right. Yeah. But we were doing a lot of things that you know uh-huh. became the future. Right. We were selling the records at the gigs. No rock and roll bands were doing that. No yeah. pop bands were doing it. As a matter of fact, when we finally made a deal, we did a, a deal with um, CBS Records, Sony, and I told them I wanted to sell the records at the gigs. They were going, nah, that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> you know then, then, then it became a thing. Now we don't even have records. So, <laughs> right. That's so all you were swapping the records around? Yeah, yeah. We had them in the trunk of the car, yeah. At the end of the gig, we would open up the trunk, and I'd sit there, and I'd be collecting like $3 a record. And I wasn't thinking about royalties. Is the first record or the second yeah. record? The first record. First record. So how much are you touring at that point? A lot? Oh, yeah, a lot. A and, lot. And how many of the original bands are still with you? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, We're just us, us two. Yeah, yeah, the two. But of the, us. the drummer who, who's now off the road because he he had an illness. That yeah, was, but he's still with us and does the records. Uh, Tommy Price. He, yeah, he, he he started with us in '84. Yeah, and he actually played for a minute in '80. So he he's he's been around a while. And so okay, so the second record is a huge hit. Now you can tour big rooms again, and you're a, a rock star, right? Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, to, to a degree, still to a degree. Well, well, I, you're I not going to get her to admit she's a rock star, but, but I admit it. Yeah. she's a rock star. But you're having like, a, but you're having like a profound effect. It, what's interesting is like in the book, you know, um, Kathleen Hanna's in there a lot from right. Bikini, from Bikini Kill, and that you had no real idea, you know, how many of these these the next generation of of women in rock music you were influencing no i i don't really have a and i didn't i think i just kind of keep my head down and and right plow forward and you know once in a while you look up and you you see people you know what you're what you're affecting and i had no idea that you produced that germs record i mean that's like yeah that's like one of the most important la punk records ever and that was in your your downtime, right? Yes. When you were lost. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you were just like bouncing around LA in that scene. And you were, I, we, I, you were a little older than them, right? Yeah, yeah. And, a couple years. And so we were hanging out with these this generation of, of kids who were doing that music. And they that's one of the most important punk rock records ever. It's amazing when people tell me that, you know? It's, it's just, I was lucky... I've been really lucky to be in the right place at the right time what with was a lot re- of these bands. What and was just, your relationship with them? Well, the Germs, uh, Darby Crash, who's the lead singer, and Pat Smear, who's the guitar player, who's Who now played with Foo the, Fighters. Right, right, and he played with Nirvana as yeah, well. Nirvana right? Yeah, Nirvana as well. Wow, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a career too. Right, yeah. <laughs> but so they, were, they were huge Runaways fans. Uh-huh. And they, I remember them, we met, they were hanging out outside the studio in, I believe it was Santa Monica, uh, Brothers Studios, which was yeah. the Beach Boys Studios, I believe, or studio they worked at. Um, and that's where we were recording some of the, the Runaway's second album. And they were out there hanging out. And yeah. I, they said they were fans and they wanted to form a band. And, and they I did. I said, do it. You yeah. know? And so we just always 
you know, stay friends. They get friends credit and, for the Runaways, just the reason they became a band. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the funny thing, the bass player that we had for I Love Rock and Roll, yeah, Gary Ryan, Gary Moss Ryan, yeah. His girlfriend at the time was Lorna Doom, the bass player of the Germs. So yeah, it was like a little family scene going on. And when you like in Darby was like kind of out of control, but like beautifully oh, out of control. He was beautifully out of control, definitely. He was a uh, 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 a beautiful spirit. You yeah, know? he yeah. just was uh, a wild man. He yeah, couldn't this world couldn't contain him. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very smart. He was a very smart yeah. guy. But they, what was the booze get him? What was it? Just uh, everything? He OD'd. Yeah, <laughs> he OD'd, yeah. I think, he yeah, OD'd. I'm, not, I'm not specifically yeah. sure. Yeah. He exactly OD'd the what. day John Lennon got shot. Oh. So that was not a good day for us. That's terrible. No, uh, for, for, for rock and roll. So you, you put out like a record pretty much almost every couple of years, you know, since Bad Reputation, right? Right. And you do, you've had several hits over the years, and you're still out there. You play, right, all the time? Yeah, pretty much. And, like, in the, in the doc, it really shows that, you know, a lot of these women that you inspired have come forward and, and, and brought you into the fold in a way. Now, I have to assume that, you know, that must be pretty emotionally gratifying and, and, and nice. It is. It's very, gr- very you didn't gratifying. Know it. No, I was not really aware of of that, you know, yeah. I didn't aware. I wasn't aware of how much it was actually reaching women. Yeah, girls. Yeah, yeah. And now they come up to you, and they and like there must be hundreds of them. It, it, there are, <laughs> and it's 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 really really special, and um, you know, it's motivating. It yeah. keeps me motivated. Yeah, and tell me about this event because I talked to a friend of mine who's from Seattle about the uh the gits in that in that situation because i didn't know about it when uh what mia zapata uh-huh. was was murdered raped and murdered up there and you heard about that what year is that that's 80 uh, uh, no it was in the 90s oh it was in the 90s 90 like 90 oh i don't want to say the wrong year it was the early 90s uh-huh yeah and how'd you hear about it what happened because i was doing a lot of work out West up in uh-huh. Seattle, I was writing. Um, Black Card Records had a band in Seattle, right around the grunge explosion, called Metal Church. Uh-huh. They were originally an indie band, so they were the first one, and they charted. Yeah. So we were there. Yeah. And then. And did you on. know Mia? No, I did not oh. know Mia yeah. or the Gets. Yeah. But you know, I knew a lot of the people, the same scene. Yeah. You know, we were sure. all in the same scene. Yeah. And. You know, so when I heard about it, I just thought, oh, man, it, it so easily could be any of us, you right. know, but you could, how many times have I walked home, right. you know, late at night, yeah. maybe, you know, a little drunk, yeah. you know, just yeah. alone, and that's right. the situation she was in, you know, and you figure you can handle yourself, but she she yeah. couldn't, and yeah. uh, I don't know, we, the, so everybody wanted to try to do something to raise money to do help help the cops because the cops could do a limited amount i suppose and or people felt they weren't doing enough to hire a private investigator so initially we did a a benefit concert uh, in seattle initially it started out as just this one night yeah and uh and we thought wow you know that was really really weirdly cool yeah you know um in a sad way but yeah, yeah but, but it was but honoring, it worked, honoring thought, her yeah so yeah. we thought you know why don't we do a little tour and use that money to 
Yeah. You know, keep the, the private eye going. And they so got we him, we did huh? that. Yeah, we did that. And uh, they did, you know, like 10 years afterwards. No I kidding. It was, that long. It was 2003, somewhere around there. I get a phone call. No hello. No nothing. It was Steve Moriarty, the drummer from the Kits. He just said, we got him. Wow. And it was, uh, they got him down down in the Keys someplace, down in Key West. Wow. Or something. That's, that hardly yeah. ever happens. Yeah. Some other thing. He'd done something else, and they ran the DNA. Interesting. That whole scene was so, like, um, unique, really, that how many bands came out of there? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, really. Tons. And, like, you were up there for that, so, you like, you saw it sort of starting. I mean, because that was, like, it was, like, way post-punk, and it was a new approach to, you know, raw rock and roll. Yeah. It must have been fucking exciting. It was. It was. I so, didn't see a lot of live shows while I was there, though. No? You don't seem to see a lot of live shows, do you? No, I'm always working. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot more shows no, when but I was we did. younger. Mm-hmm. There was... You know, when I was sitting around, I lived across from the Whiskey in, in L.A. That's where I just saw Slash. Oh, yeah? It's a great yeah. room. It was the first time I've ever been there. Yeah, I live beyond the gas station. It's oh. The apartment building is still there. Every oh, yeah. Every time I drive by, and I lived there, I lived there. <laughs> you get a little... It was a perfect party place, and uh-huh. you know, you're in the middle of everything, and I saw so many shows then. But, but that's like, you know, I know, it's a magic room, that room. Yeah, it's very nice. Have you played nice there lately? No, not lately. Yeah? No, not in a long time. Oh, it's still really good. I, I mean, I, I assume. I, I just didn't have, like, I don't go out to a lot of live shows. So it's a lot I... smaller than I remember. Right, you know, when you're tiny. a kid, it seemed big. Yeah, yeah. But now, you know, you go in there, it's like, wow. So what do you guys do now? Like, you know, you're producing a lot of bands. You, you, L7's back? Yeah, L7's back, and I think they're a good fit for, for our label. We have a band called Faya, which grew out of a band called Girl in a Coma. And Faya, incredible. They're yeah. a punk punk band from Austin, San Antonio, uh-huh. Texas. Um, we have the soundtrack from this re- from this movie. Yeah. Which is, it, we, we have a great, it's in the movie, but we have Miley, Lord Jane Grace, oh, and Joan. So many people. Doing Androgynous. Oh, that's great. It's, the Paul Westerberg song? Before. Yeah, Paul yeah. Westerberg song, yeah. It's great. We have Jones singing Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. From the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, when, with, the, when, with uh, Dave Grohl. When Nirvana got inducted. That was yeah. something. That You and were great. Uh, yeah. It was so great. It was so fun and so scary at the same yeah. time. Why well, think it's... about it. It's like you're going to play Smells Like Teen yeah. Spirit, yeah. Nirvana, yeah. at the Rock and Roll Hall with of Fame. Nirvana, yeah. With Nirvana, yeah. No, it's like Patrick... Petrifying, yeah. But um, you have to do it. Of course. I mean, I was compelled. Who asked you, Dave? I yeah. think Dave did. Yeah. yeah. And then could yeah. he said, "You're going to go first. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, okay, how long did it take you to get comfortable? A second. Um, I actually was very strangely not nervous. I'm usually very nervous, uh-huh. like too nervous for. Th- you know what I mean? Like yeah, overly nervous. Sure. You got to work on getting your head out of there. Yeah. But I was pretty calm, actually. And Pat I, was up there too, right? Pat was up there. So that there. must have been comforting. Yeah, and we were all, you know, we all know, <laughs> yeah. do know each other. We yeah. played together before, uh-huh. so 
I hadn't played with Chris, but yeah, I think we had a sound check, so we had a chance to run it. So yeah, outside of the doc that's coming out, what are you guys? What are you guys doing? You just touring all the time, or because I know you do you do a lot of festivals now, and you seem to be involved with some good causes. What do you What do you spend your time doing mostly? Touring. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, we're on the road all the time. We're going to um, Australia for in January. Then I don't know what's happening. I know you've been there before. Yes. Not for a while. Though. You like it? What are you doing? Sydney, I, Melbourne, the whole no, we're country, doing Brisbane, a lot. We're doing a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's a sold out tour. Thank God, because it's a long way to go to be empty. Well, they're very happy uh, you come. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're excited you come. Uh, make the trip. That's nice. And we will do some, a little bit of pol- politicking. Yeah. Yeah. Where here? In the United States. Yeah. yeah. Rock the vote kind of stuff? No, we don't have to work that. Well, we should actually for some of those congressional California. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to help Tammy Baldwin Uh in uh, Wisconsin. Um, Randy Bryce Uh for Paul Ryan's seat. We're working for him. And then, you know, just. What does that entail? You do a a gig? We might do a gig. We go to, sometimes we go to people's apartments and they raise money that way. And I, that's my preference because the concerts, they always, you know, you're dealing with people that don't do concerts normally and it, you tend not to make a lot of money that way. The best way is, you know, if a celebrity can draw some people in and say maybe they, they bring like 20, 30 big donors. Yeah. And Joan will stay there and, you know, and we'll meet and greet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I, I like that way the best. And for Howard Dean, when we were with him, who. We adore. Yeah, we, we actually went on the road with him, and, and we both gave little speeches and whatever. That's great. Yeah, during the, prim- during the primaries. Yeah, when yeah. we were on the stage when he gave when he said we're going to do oh, it, yeah, yeah, it was much less crazy than the news made it no, out it wasn't to be. Crazy. It was totally it was normal. Yeah. He had a he had three thousand college kids who were up. really yeah. freaked out. Party. They were all People crying, man, because yeah. he lost, and, yeah. they, and he was trying to. Help, yeah. you know, that yeah. was a democratic establishment, yeah. you know, wiping out the guy. The way who, ABC sent the feed in, you couldn't hear the crowd. The crowd was going, Dean, 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 Dean. So he had to yell, and, yeah. And everybody was there that Candy Crowley, is that her name? And there was all yeah. these famous people were on the plane with us. Yeah. And nobody noticed, and John always says this story, nobody noticed anything weird at all until the next day when we saw what they did with it on the TV. Right. Yeah, it wasn't like the press was on the plane going, oh my God, look what Dean did. Yeah. Of course not. It was they were working because Dean was winning. They had to figure out how can we make him look bad with what he did last night overnight. Yeah. So whatever they see at 6 a.m., he looks like a nut. Yeah. Why did they do that to him? Because he was the outsider, and they were—he was taking on the establishment. Right. He said, "I'm the Democratic wing of the Democratic Party." Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you know. So in your so now Joan, are you able to uh, stop working long enough to appreciate what you've accomplished? I mean, do you have fun? <laughs> I don't really have too much downtime. Yeah. And when I do have downtime, I don't want to go anywhere. Right. Because I'm always traveling, which yeah. is kind of a drag. Yeah. So I do, you know, I do. There's a lot of places that I'd like to see, or it's things I'd like to do. You yeah. Know? Something as simple as just driving Highway One. Oh yeah, it's great. You know, you never done it. That. No, <laughs> no. But my my bus driver just did it. Yeah. To meet us someplace, and he took all these amazing pictures, and I'm like, damn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Everybody gets to do all this stuff. But you never stop. 
No, I haven't. And when I do, it's not for for too long. And I've got animals at home, and so I just want to be with them. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So, and which is kind of you go, oh man, what a she, what a sad life. She does things though. <laughs> no, I don't think so. When her mom was alive, she and her mom cleaned the cages at at the uh, animal shelter, yeah. and she's she'll go out. I just like people to know because she's a, so good. She'll go out in a freezing cold. One o'clock in the morning, give food to to the, the uh, stray animals. Sure, and, yeah. My you know, mom is feeding yeah. iguanas in South Florida right now. Really? There that's you go. great. <laughs> hey, some I talked about it on the air, and some woman wrote me. She's like, "That's part of the problem. You're not supposed to feed them because there's a, it, there's millions, it's thousands right, of them. Right. But my mother can't not feed. Well, what the are you animals. gonna? You know, what you are you gonna, gonna do? It's yeah. a, they're there, yeah. and Don't it's feed like, the you lizards. Know, hey, you know, the animals are. Yeah, we're in their spot, people. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly, Calm yeah. down and learn to live together. I mean, first of all, you don't even want to get me talking about animals. Yeah. And, and you're a vegetarian too, right? Yeah, basically vegan. Yeah. yeah. So and you did you have a talk- moment with a hamburger? What did it? I mean, I used to be vet, like a bloody meaty. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. It was just a slow dawning of uh, what right. am I doing? Yeah. You know, I love yeah. animals, and and I'm eating this thing thinks and feels and all that stuff and when you get into it and you recognize the more science Uh proves the sentience of animals that we really you know say you know that's nothing i mean you know paper wasps can recognize each other by their faces that's a wasp yeah a wasp a bug yeah okay so i'm not like the, I'm not to assume that I'm better or know anything. Yeah, you know that I'm above that. Right. Because I don't understand their language or what they do. Sure. So I don't know. I find it very hard to eat an animal. To me, it's like, why don't you just throw your, you know, your grandmother up there? Yeah. Or why don't we try some babies? You yeah. know, because baby meat. Yeah. Got to be nice tender. and tender, just yeah. like the lambs and yeah. stuff. Yeah. To me, it's like same thing. It is. Yeah. Sorry, but <laughs> do do you find that at this point are you at peace with your past for the most part? I mean, do you like? I mean, you have a relationship with Cherie. Do you? I mean, with the other ones, do you? The people that you played with and that kind of stuff. Do you? I don't have any uh, any kind of that. I I have no bad relationships with yeah. anybody or yeah. bad thoughts about anything. We all did something really special and i think important together and yeah. i would hope um whether they enjoyed it or not that they recognize that as well and i hold no sort of animosity towards anyone and yeah uh Shri and i are friendly yeah um last time i spoke to lita we were friendly yeah but that hasn't been for years yeah and jackie you know, i haven't spoken to her for years either but what was your reaction to that her posthumous accusation of you know kim uh, oh, she made that apparently before he was dead, too. Oh, but, yeah? Uh, you never saw it? No, I mean, look, that was not my experience. Right, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, uh, I did not have that sort of thing, so yeah. I can't really speak right. to it. Right, But, uh, all right, well, that's like, I, I, I was honored to talk to you guys. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor to talk to you, too. <laughs> I think it was great. I'm glad you hung out, Kenny. What's yeah. your, what, is that your real last name, Laguna? Yeah. What is what yeah, kind of name is that? It's, uh, well, I grew up thinking it was Italian, and now 
I've uh, done the... Hell yeah, yeah, I did that, yeah. Apparently it's Spanish. Oh, it's Spanish? <laughs> Didn't you say Portuguese? Well, that was what that was a theory for a few oh, years okay. in my family, but it turned out not to be. And you can you can pass as uh, Jewish too. Like I'm I'm a Jew, yeah. and like I assume record business, it must have been Kenny Goldstein. But no, it's not. No, Italian guy, Portuguese, <laughs> <laughs> Italians and Jews. After a certain age, they're interchangeable sometimes. No, I'm half Jewish anyway. Oh, you are. Yeah. So, okay. but uh, there you go. But yeah, it's it's funny though because. Um, a lot of people say, what's your real name? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where are you guys going now? Are you staying in L.A. for a couple of days? Uh, one more day, and yeah. then we head up to Washington State. Yeah, to play? Do a couple gigs up there. Yeah, we're doing gigs with Cheap Trick, three, that's all. It's a good combo, and Jones has been playing with them since she was 15, 16 years no, old. No, I was 16, 16, 17. With uh, Cheap Trick. We are not here to tell the truth, John. We are here to create perceptions. All right, well, great to talk to you. Good luck Thank on the road. Thank you very much, Mark. That was exciting, wasn't it? Uh, that, it was very. It, it, it was actually very fun. It was. You know, it's hard, sometimes it's hard for me to manage two people, but uh, characters and uh, icons, right there, folks. As I said earlier, the documentary about her life and career is called Bad Reputation. It comes out this Friday. September 28th. Go to WTFPod.com to get tour dates, buy one of the new t-shirts, and sign up for WTF Premium Access to get all past WTF episodes, not just the most recent 50. And uh, I don't know, you know, I, I got a little choked up. Not This is not emotionally, but like, you know, confidence-wise, uh, after I talked to Slash on my guitar, and my arm's been fucking bothering me, and I hope it goes away, but like I talk to people, you know, I talk to people, I ask people on stage about this tennis elbow tendonitis fucking thing, and they just say it never fucking goes away, and you know, I don't want to stop exercising because I'm just, I'm in the groove with that, but I don't want to lose the ability to play guitar, and god damn it, god damn it, I'm going to play, I'm going to play anyways, because I know, I know you demand it, you four people who wait all the way through this shit at the very end to listen to me noodle in a distorted way not even noodle lately it's almost meditative